Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live from our offices right here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone here today with us. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can go to our website at www.biggrace.com. That's www. B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E dot com. And you can check out all the things that uh, God is allowing us to do uh, with the ministry as we uh, preach the gospel, not just here in the Florida area, but throughout the United States, Canada, and rapidly taking it beyond these borders. So good to have you today. And once again, we are doing an expository teaching on the Word of God. And we are at class number, what is it, Deb? 148? 148th uh, hour of teaching uh, in the book of Romans. And so we've been on a spiritual journey, and I guess you could actually uh, qualify it as a marathon in the Word of God. And we're right here in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. So anyway, those classes are being made available to you free of charge. If you want all of the previous classes, if you are joining us late uh, and you want those, you can actually go and email me at raven at biggrace.com. And I will send you a uh, audio DVD with all of those classes on them in their entirety. You're actually working on getting those podcasted and on uh, online so you can start downloading them once again. That's going to be just a little bit of a process, but we're going to have those available pretty soon so you can uh, actually download those in their entirety, free of charge, of course. Uh, to, to have them. And really, it's been such a tremendous time in the Word of God and the opportunity to uh, uh, to just take this time to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Just ask for His blessing on this time of teaching and uh, instruction in the Word of God, that He would just give us something that we can take and utilize to change the world for the cause of Christ. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day. Just thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to come and to to seek your word, Lord God, and to to know you in a deeper and more intimate way. And Father, we just ask you today, Lord God, that you would just come into our midst. Lord God, regardless of where we're at, Father, whatever time zone or area we're at or wherever we are in our relationship with you, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that you're just as close as the mention of your name. And so, Father, as we come to your word, Lord God, we come with a great expectancy and a desire, Lord God, to know you in a more deep and intimate way. But we know, Lord God, the things of the Spirit Lord God, are only discerned by the Spirit. And so, Father, we thank you that the the Word of God tells us in in John 14, John 16, John 20, Lord God, it tells us that there's a comforter that's coming, and that comforter of the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. And so we are completely and totally dependent upon the Spirit of God here today. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would just quicken our ears, Lord God, you would just cause us, Lord God, to to hear and to know and to obey, Lord Jesus. We just ask, Lord God, that you would just cause the, 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 the mind of our understanding, Lord God, to be fruitful today as we just seek out, Lord God, your word and your precepts, Lord God. And Father, we just ask, Lord God, that you would just touch each and every one, Lord God, those that are just, just having trouble, Lord God, in their life and just even in understanding the word of God. We just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you just do a tremendous work in their hearts and lives. Lord God, those that have been sick in body, we just ask, Lord God, for a, a physical touch upon them, a healing, Lord God, that would come upon their hearts and lives, Lord God, that you would bring healing and restoration to them, that you would touch them, Lord God, that you would empower them. Father, that every infirmity, Lord God, would be healed, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Those that are struggling, Lord God, those that are sick, Lord God, we just pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord God, that they would be touched because of the stripes that were shed upon Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. Lord God, now we just come to you, Lord God, with an expectancy and a desire, Lord God, uh, towards your word, just ask that you would be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, folks, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 is a very familiar portion of Scripture. And it says that I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. 
And so when it says all things, you know, it actually means all things. And all things is a good thing. That way it don't eliminate uh, anything that we would think that we could not do. And so uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And another word to put that in the, in the Greek was, would be to empower me. Folks, really, to be empowered for something is not simply to have the strength to do something. To be empowered is, is, is to be sanctioned and even authorized to be something. I'm going to say that again. So when the Word of God tells us right here in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. He's saying that Christ has empowered us or has sanctioned us and authorized us to be something. It's one thing to do something, but it's yet another thing to be something. You know, I preach the gospel, and preaching the gospel and being a minister of God is not what I do. It's who I am. And so I can't turn that off. I know people that talk about it, especially people that are quote-unquote in ministry. A lot of times they'll, they'll talk about that they need a, a break from the ministry or they're burned out or they need, they're taking a six-month sabbatical. Folks, how can you take a sabbatical uh, from who you are? You know, I, I'm not one. I've been in the ministry for 20-something years, I guess it is now, and preach the gospel. But, but I can't think of a, a time that I thought to myself, you know what, I just need to back away from the ministry. That'd be like backing away from breathing. That'd be like backing away from your, your heart beating. Folks, when, when, you, when God empowers you, to do something, he sanctions you and he authorizes you to be something. And it's, it's in him we, we, we live and move and have our being. Not our doing, we have our being. And so when you are something, it flows naturally out of you. It's not, it's not something that's cumbersome. It's not something that's, that you feel clumsy in. It's something that literally flows and radiates out of who you are. And folks, we need to move into that, that realm in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you're constantly just doing things that are Christian, rather than being a, 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 a Christian, which is to be Christ-like, not Christ-do, but if I'm Christ-like, then everything that moves out of my life uh, radiates from the person of Christ who is inside of me. And so, what does the Word of God sanction and authorize us to use this power for? And so, if we have power, if I can do all things through this, or I am empowered, or I am sanctioned to and authorized to be and do, what does God authorize us to use that empowerment for? What does God call us to do? And I believe we see that in, in the, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. And it says that you shall receive Power, what? After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so, folks, listen. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when He comes into your life through His indwelling, and it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the, the dwelling place. What He does is He it will provide for you the sanctioning and authorization to be His witness. Not to just be a happy-go-lucky person. Not to be a person that is ducking out and hoping that, that, that they don't get hit by something on their way to heaven. It, it, it authorizes and empowers you to be a witness of Jesus Christ to the whole world. That is, you will be authorized to use the power that He has made available to us in order to preach the message of the cross to a lost and dying world. And so, folks, listen. In law enforcement, and some of you may have been involved in law enforcement or, or familiar with some of the, 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 the terminology in that, but in law, term, uh, law enforcement, there are times and under certain conditions that an officer of the law is authorized to use deadly force. You ever heard that term? They're authorized to use deadly force. And that is, he is sanctioned or authorized by the law to use whatever means is necessary to stop an aggressive action originating from a criminal or an assailant. And so this would include using a weapon to put an end to the life of the person in that adversarial role. And so they've been authorized to use deadly force. Folks, 
listen, we have been also given and been authorized and sanctioned to use deadly force against our adversary. We've, God has given us, He has sanctioned us and empowered us and authorized us uh, by the law of God, by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 2, to use deadly force against our adversary. But folks, listen, the, the problem is the church has ceased long ago in most cases to utilize and use deadly force against the enemy. And so we wanted to use all these other things. We wanted to pacify our adversary. We want to become, quote-unquote, uh, seeker-sensitive to the devil rather than sensitive to the Spirit of God and obedient to really combat the adversary right there on the, on the front lines of what he's called us to. Folks, listen, Satan is an assailant and God has placed within our arsenal weapons that have been designed not to just stun him but to literally take him out. And those weapons are, uh, are the preaching of the cross under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have been authorized. We have been sanctioned. We have been powered. We've been called. We've been given that authority through the Word of God, through the law of God, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, to inflict a deadly blow to the adversary. But folks, listen, what has happened over the last few generations is the, is the church has, has, has left their, their, their power in its sheath. What they've done, we've walked around with our spiritual hands in our pockets, and we've allowed the enemy to run roughshod over everything that we say and everything that we do and have not allowed the Spirit of God to, 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 to be demonstrative in our lives. Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians 1.18 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. It says, For the preaching of the cross, for the what of the cross, for the wearing a cross around your neck like a necklace, for, for, for buying you some earrings that are, that are, that are cross-shaped, by having a shirt that says cross, or by having a, a fish with a cross in it. What does he say? For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Folks, listen, the, the message of authorization that God has given us is the preaching of the cross. When we preach the cross, in it is the power of God. Now, that's 1 Corinthians 1.18. But think about First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Romans 1.16, and we covered this in our teaching on the book of Romans. Paul the Apostle said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. So what is the power of God? The preaching of the gospel the, is, the, is, the, is the power of God. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul the Apostle once again speaking. He said, My speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. For my what? For my speech and my preaching was not in the tithing man, uh, words of man. Folks, listen. Everything that God does, but it's in the spirit of power. God ties it to the preaching of the gospel. And finally, 2 Corinthians 6, 7. Uh, uh, the word of God says, By the word, by the what? By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Folks, listen. The power of God is unleashed Listen, on a lost and dying world, the power of God is, is unleashed upon our adversary. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking to be made devour. The power of God is unleashed and inflicts a death blow when we begin to preach the Word of God. When we begin to, to, to stand flat-footed in the marketplaces or the synagogues or our workplaces, and we begin to deliver the Word of God without compromise, un, unadulterated, under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God is what shakes stuff up. It, it rattles the heavenlies. It unseats powers and principles 
principalities when we'll begin to speak the Word of God in truth. I, I've, I've talked about a testimony of just standing on Bourbon Street in, in a crowd and just begin to share the Word of God and begin to see people disperse and begin to see people disband. Why? Because the Word of God is not just something that is heard in, a, in an auditory sense. It's something that transcends those things. It's not just written words in black and white on a printed page. But the Word of God is that theonustos that we've talked about. It is God-breathed. It is that Word that's sent out literally to to resuscitate and empower. It's the word that's sent out to break bondages and destroy yokes. It's the word that's to to, to come out and bring life and to be that light into a darkened world. Folks, listen. We have been given the power of the the gospel to preach the word of God. Whether it's in your your town, whether it's at work, whether it's right here in in a live format uh, through the World Wide Web like Stick Cam. Folks, listen. We have been given the, the opportunity when the word of God is spoken, demons tremble. And so, folks, listen. The one central message of the book of Romans is the message of the preaching of the cross. And this is the message that, that Paul has worked to convey to us really through these nine and a half chapters so far. And that's that the only way that we can truly walk in victory over the sin nature and thus experience the reality of salvation is through a death to self, through the utilization of deadly force that we have been sanctioned and authorized to use, which is the preaching of the gospel of the message of repentance. And so, folks, listen, we've got the ability to strike that death blow, to put an end, to drop that, that adversary to his knees and to see the victory of God be made manifest through the preaching of the cross and the message of, uh, of repentance into salvation. Folks, listen, that is the firepower that the enemy has sought to remove from the arsenal of the church. That right there, the preaching of the gospel. You'll see these, uh, you'll see these big time quote unquote evangelists and TV preachers. They'll be on television. And, and I think of one in particular that I mentioned several times that he'll get on, uh, Larry King and he'll say, you know, Larry, I don't, I don't want to mention sin. I don't want to mention hell. I don't want to mention repentance. I don't want to mention blood. I don't want to mention the cross because all those things are negative. And Larry, I'm just, I'm here to build something positive. I'm here to encourage people. Folks, listen, what he's done is he's taken the firepower. It's like handing somebody a weapon and not putting any bullets in it and expecting the enemy to be intimidated by a blank shooting gun. Folks, listen. God has put the firepower of the gospel of the blood of Jesus, of repentance from dead works, of of the hope of salvation through the, the death to self and the denying of self. But the enemy has sought through this, these vain teachings of men to remove the firepower from the, uh, from the arsenal of the church. And so what he's done, he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, you can keep all your programs you can keep all that fun fellowship. You can keep your benevolence ministry. He said you can keep your community service. You can keep your family life centers. You can keep your marriage seminars. You can keep your Easter cantatas. You can keep your Christmas toy giveaway. You can you can keep your free car washes. You can free, keep your, your, your giving away free bottled water. He's, he, the devil will tell you, keep on doing all those things. Matter of fact, why don't you do some more of that stuff? Why don't you do some neat things? Why don't you go paint somebody's house? And why don't you go to pick up some trash? Why don't you go wash somebody's car? Why don't you go buy somebody some clothes? Go keep doing those things. And just keep on smiling and keep on thinking that you're actually going to change someone's eternity and you're going to keep on growing in numbers. You're going to keep on building bigger buildings. You're going to keep on warehousing more and more people. Just whatever you do while you're doing those things, do not preach the gospel that requires men to repent and to turn from their wicked ways 
always at the threat of spending eternity in hell forever separated from the presence of God. You just keep on being nice. You just keep on smiling. You just keep on being benevolent. You just keep on doing these sweet things. And keep on thinking that your niceties, that your smiling face is going to change and transform someone. Folks, listen. He has chosen the foolishness of preaching the gospel to change those things which are lost. Yes, you can feed the hungry. Yes, you can close the naked. Yes, you can do nice things. But if you think any of those things apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to do anything but be nice, you are in for a rude awakening on the day of judgment. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. It's by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on my right hand and on my left that He has chosen to unseat my adversaries. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it and it alone is the power of God unto salvation of all that believes. Romans 10, 14, and 15. Here's what we've been talking about. Romans 10, 14, and 15. He says, How shall they call on Him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him who they have not heard? And shall, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they call on Him who they have not believed, it says? How shall they uh, believe on Him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And it says in verse 15, it says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring uh, uh, glad tidings of good news. Folks, listen to me. We have been given and entrusted with the one message that has the ability to liberate anyone who would desire to be set free. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have been entrusted with that message. I got a testimony this past week. I, I, I mentioned the, uh, the man, uh, Robert, who, had, uh, who was standing there. I was in Philadelphia with Raven East Coast. And I was there kneeling on the sidewalk in this place uh, uh, infested Kensington and, uh, and, and Somerset, right there where all the heroin addicts are. And I'm kneeling and I see someone standing there and it's this young man named Robert. And I stand up and he begins to tell me about that he was on the 1st of, of March that he was going to commit suicide and kill himself. And, uh, but he had heard the preaching of the gospel and he, and he turned and to, to Christ Jesus. I just got testimony this past week that he's been going to that, that the, to, to Raven uh, Philly. He's been going to, to Pastor Frank there on, on a daily basis and going and talking to him about the Word and getting discipled. Folks, listen, what was it? It wasn't because we were out there handing out chicken salad sandwiches. We were doing that. We were feeding people and, and giving them something to drink. But folks, a chicken salad sandwich, apart from the preaching of the Gospel, is not going to do something but fill up somebody's belly for just a few minutes. But the preaching of the Gospel is going to literally rescue someone from the grip of Satan. It's going to uh, pull them from the devouring jaws of the, of the of a line that seeks to, to go about and consume them through, through sin and deception. Folks, listen. That young man did not kill himself this past Saturday. Why? Because somebody desired to go and preach the gospel. Now, what had we have not been there? What if, if somebody had not said, listen, let's go out to the streets and preach the Word? Chances are somebody in Philadelphia would have opened a paper today and saw in the obituaries a tragic story of a young man that put a gun to his head and blew his brains out because he was depressed and despondent and, and discouraged. But folks, listen. The, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ snatched him from the jaws of the devil. Now, how many other people have put bullets to their head because the church have, have, has been silent? And we think if we build it, they'll come. And we have this superficial field of dreams type of mentality. And we think we can get some quirky type of uh, a phrase out on our, our, our church sign that, that people are going to think we're real neat and come in. Or, or if we do some special event, they're going to do it. Folks, listen. He has chosen the preaching of the gospel to save those which are lost. But how can they believe in what they've not heard? Do you hear me? They've got to hear the Word 
before they can believe. And so, folks, we have been given and entrusted with that message. But unless that message is unsheathed and delivered to its target, it is powerless to actually inflict any punishment upon the devil. I don't know about you folks, but the devil run roughshod over my life for years and years, and I want to do whatever I can to inflict some punishment on him. I want to inflict punishment on him by winning the Roberts to Jesus. I want to inflict punishment upon him by reading the, the Eddies to Jesus. I want to inflict punishment on him by, by, by reaching Martha, by, 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 by preaching the, the, the gospel to, to Thomas. I want, to, I, want to, I want to inflict punishment on the adversary by preaching the word to the lost and dying. And folks, listen, because we have failed to unsheath that power from our, from our, 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 our arsenal of, of, of the gospel, what has happened as a result, Satan has had this sinister grip and he's held it and he's, he's able to, 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 to keep captive in that grip of destruction on those who have not believed. And so folks, listen, they will never know. Do you hear what I'm saying? They will never know unless we preach the gospel. Folks, listen, many people uh, in churches will say stuff like this. They'll, they'll, they'll quote from, uh, what's his name, St. Francis of Assisi. They'll say, well, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Now, have you ever heard that before? St. Francis of Assisi. You know, uh, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Folks, there is no gospel apart from words. Do you hear me? There is no gospel apart from, from the word of God. Otherwise, what it becomes, it becomes a, 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 a work of self-righteousness. Folks, listen, your smile or anything else, while wow, they're all great, and I'd rather preach the gospel with a smile on my face, doing kind benevolence to people, than, than angry and, and, uh, and disattached from people's lives. But folks, listen, when St. Francis of Assisi the, the, uh, says stuff like preach the gospel at times and if necessary, use words, folks, it is always necessary to use the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Word of God is that, that like a sharp two-edged sword that's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. It pierces into the, the dividing of soul and spirit. The Word of God is what convicts a man of sin. And so when somebody says something like that, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words, it is completely and totally contrary to Scripture. Preaching demands the use of the Word of God, but not words that, are, uh, that originated in men's vain philosophies, or men's good intentions, uh, but the word that has been delivered us through the Scripture. Now, I want to give you some Scriptures today on that. And that's Romans 6.17. Romans 6.17 says this. It says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. What were you? You were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Thank God that you were the servants of sin. But you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which delivered... What sets you free? That form of doctrine which is the preaching of the Word of God. What sets you free from being a servant of sin is the preaching of the Gospel. Not a fancy little bracelet that said WWJD or a fancy Christian t-shirt. What will set you free from the, from the bondage and the yoke of sin is the preaching of the Gospel. Folks, listen. If we cease to preach the Gospel, the Gospel being the message of the cross of Calvary that, that literally offers the transformation from the depravity of man and into the hope of salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and really the the subsequent adherence to the principles that He's given us, if we cease to preach this message, we have ceased to preach deliverance from the bondage of sin, death, and hell. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we shut the message off and we try to do it through niceties or secret sensitivity or whatever else, what we have done, we have, we have literally taken the key to the, to the chains and the yoke of bondage and we've thrown it over our, 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 our shoulder and we said, we're going to figure out another way to get out of this bondage. Folks, listen, God has chosen the preaching of the gospel. Now, I want to give you some scripture 
scripture. I want you to write these down. You can go back and look at these later. But it's John 7.46. John 7.46. I want, to, I want to give you something on what he's talking about by the preaching of that word. It says in John 7.46, speaking of the officers that were, that were coming to, 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 to arrest Jesus, it says, Never a man spoke like this man. What does it say? Never a man spoke like that man. Never a man acted like that man. Never a man was smiled like that man. Never a man was nice as that man. It says, no, never a man spoke like this man. Now look at Matthew thirteen fifty four. Once again, speaking of Jesus, it says he came to his hometown and he began teaching. Doing what? Teaching what? The Word of God. The people in their synagogue and they were amazed. What were they amazed at? His teaching, his words. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom? They were amazed by it. Matthew twenty four thirty five, Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my smiling face, my nice things, my good intentions, my Easter cantata, my community service, my family life center. What was it? My fellowship, my benevolence, my free car wash, my bottled water. What does it say? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mark 8.38. Mark 8.38. Whoever will be therefore ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Who will be ashamed of what? Me and my words. Mark 10.24. The disciples were astonished at his words. It were, they were blown away when he spoke. Luke 24, 8. And they remembered his neat things, smiling face. No, they remembered his words. John 5, 47. If you do not, but you believe not his writings, then how shall you believe my words? John six sixty three. It is the spirit that quickened the flesh if... It is the spirit that quickened, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The what? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Folks, listen, I ran into two young men this past weekend out on the streets as we were preaching the word. And uh, it really it typifies something that I'm trying to convey to you today. I ran into these two young men right when we got out the streets, right there in front of a place that we minister at frequently. It was about uh, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning this past Saturday. I ran into the young man. Actually, he was being led across the street by a police officer. He was being thrown out of a nightclub, I guess, for unruly behavior. And from, from my counter with him, he's very unruly. He was cussing the officer and everything else. And so he was standing there on the, uh, the corner, still hollering across the street at this officer who had removed him from this nightclub. And the officer said, if you say anything else, I'm going to throw you in jail. But he kept on saying something else. And so I walked up to him and I said, hey, where are you from? And he said, I'm from South Carolina. And I said, so is everyone in South Carolina such a, belligerent, uh, such a belligerent blasphemer as you? And he kind of looked at me. He said, oh, 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 I'm sorry. And I said, well, what are you sorry about? I'm just asking you a question. If everybody in South Carolina is such a, a belligerent blasphemer. I said, because I'm a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, I had an opportunity. He's 28, 28 years old, claimed that he knew God, claimed that he loved God, said it many, many times. But you know what? Every time I took him to the Word of God, 
Literally, he grew angry. I was standing there. It was myself and my daughter Kayla and Pastor Alex. Us three were sitting there talking to him. And every time I'd say, okay, here's what you're saying. And I would open my Bible and I'd say, but here's what the Word of God says. Here's what the Word of God says about your lifestyle. Here's about what the Word of God says about your conversation. Here's what the Word of God says about your heart and the things that you're declaring out here. Here's what the Word of God says and here's what the consequences are. And he, and every time I would quote the Word of God to this person that would claim to know Jesus, his name was Thomas, he would just begin to blaspheme. I hate you. You ain't nothing but a blankety blank idiot. You're nothing. You're this. You're that. And he'd try to talk to them. And they would say, listen, we're going to tell you the exact same word that he's telling you. We're going to tell you what the word of God says. Folks, listen. Here was a person that claimed to know God. But when he's brought to the word of God, what did it do? It, 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 it graded against him. Why? Because he wasn't walking in accordance to the Word of God. He would have liked me to say, you know what? Yeah, you said you're a Christian. You probably are. And so one day, even though you're out here drunk and blaspheming, even though you're here lusting after women, even though you're here not, not submitting to the authority that, of the law that, that God has placed in the city, even though you're probably going to go to heaven. Folks, churches tell people like that. This young man had been told that all his life. Why? Because he said a little prayer. He got dipped in some water and uh, he signed the membership roll. And every once in a while he'll drop a check and, and make his way to a church service. He thinks he's okay. But folks, listen, he knew not the word of God. And he did not walk. The second man, so this was a guy that was a total blasphemer, thought he knew God because he was raised up in the Bible Belt of South Carolina. The second one was a young man named Michael. Now, Michael comes by me, has his, uh, a young African-American kid, has his hat cocked sideways and walking down the street. And I stop him and I, and I begin to challenge him on, on the Word of God. And he began to tell me, listen, I'm a 20-year-old college student. I go right here to Bethune-Cookman College uh, and I go to a local church. And, he, and he, he told me, and I said, so what's the name of your church? He said, it's, it's called the Word of Truth. And so I'm thinking, all right, here he goes. He's talking about the word of truth. And so, so he, and I asked him what he was doing. He said, well, I'm just out here at the club having a good time, you know, just looking around at things. And he, and he said, but listen, I'm going to be at church tomorrow. And so I began to call him out on the word of God about, about bad company corrupting good morals, about, about not having any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I, I began to call him out on, on looking at women to lust after with your eyes. I began to call him out on his responsibility if he said he was truly saved and, and born again and baptized and, and following Jesus, that what the fruit of his life would be. And you could just see as I began to speak the truth to him, as I began to tell him what the scripture says, and, and I would open my Bible and I'd have, I'd have him read it. You could see his eyes were bugging out. And, he, and you know what he told me? He said, you know what? I, I never knew that. I never knew that. I never knew that I was supposed to walk this way. I never knew that I was obligated to, to share my faith with people. And I said, listen, you're 20 years old. I said, there's young people of your generation that are dying to go into hell in, in droves. I said, look out here on this block. I said, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy. I said, I'm out here trying to reach your generation. And you who claim to know Christ, you ought to be the one out here reaching your generation. And I said, because they're here, they're desperate. And about that time, I reached over, and there was another young man just around his age walking by. And I, and I called him over, and I said, hey, come here. I said, tonight, do you? And I, said, and I introduced him. This young man's name was Michael that I was talking to initially. And I said, this is Michael. And I said, Michael goes to a church that, that is called the Word of Truth. I said, Michael claims to know the Lord. I said, but let me ask you a question. This other young man's name was Brian. I said, Brian, tonight, do you have full assurance that if you died, that you would go to heaven or hell? And he said, well, I, I don't really know. 
And so I, I was holding on to this other young man with one hand, uh, uh, Brian, and I grabbed a hold of Michael with the other. And I said, see, Michael, here's what I'm talking about. Your generation is out here waiting for you to speak up. And I said, you'll sit there and you'll let them walk around. Why? Because you're just out here looking at things. You're just out here to have a good time while the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And I said, do you think for a moment that you going to the Word of Truth Church week in and week out, that you're going to be off the hook and God's going to look into your life and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, when you've not lived a finger and Brian is going to hell and you've not said anything to him and your generation is perishing they're caught up in all type of compromise I said is that okay with you and you know what he said to me he said it's not okay anymore it's not okay anymore why because someone stopped and gave him the word of truth and I told him I said and Brian Brian I said thank you so much Brian I said but listen I do care and I told Brian, I said, unless you repent, you're going to perish. You're going to go to hell. And I said, but God has stopped you right here tonight because He loves you. Brian wandered off and I'm still sitting there talking to Michael. And I told him, I said, brother, now you're obligated. You're obligated by what you know. I said, I can't for the life of me think how you could sit in a quote-unquote the Word of Truth church all your life, brought up, your grandmother taking you, and, and you saying you're, you go there every single week and not know that you've got to walk in righteousness and holiness before God, not know that you've got an obligation to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not know that you that the Word says to love your neighbors, you love yourself, that, that we how will they know unless we preach? I said, for the life of me, I can't imagine how you could sit in all those hundreds of hours of services for the last 20 years and not have ever heard that. But folks, that is the sad commentary that is going around. Folks, about, I'd say, and you guys, i got uh, uh, Rusty and Deb in the studio audience this morning, I could probably ask three-fifths probably at least, and that's probably under underestimating, but I bet three-fifths of the people that we meet out on the streets claim to be churchgoers. And I'm not talking about just people walking down the street. I'm, pe- I'm talking about people that are out there uh, looking for sexual immorality. I'm talking about people that have been out drinking and drunk. I'm talking about people, that young women that are, that are dressed like prostitutes. I'm talking about young men that are out there looking to have sex with someone. But these people will say, listen, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because no one is preaching the word of truth to them on a regular basis. So they have bought into a lie. They have said, well, I'm going to believe, but I'm just... If if necessary, use words. No one has called them out. No one has spoken the Word of God that convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment that challenges them, that gives them the ability to overcome. Folks, listen. The Word of God will not just set you free but it will give you the, the ability to overcome temptation. There is no temptation that comes upon you but that which is common to all men. But with every temptation, He provides a way of escape. And you know where that way of escape is found? It's found out here, right here in the Word of God. You will be able to escape from lust. You will be able to escape from fear. You will be able to escape from sickness. You will be able to escape, uh, escape from compromise. All those things that come into your life, the Word of God is designed to provide us a mechanism and a means to escape. This is the arsenal that He has put into our hands. When Jesus was led away and he was he was tempted in the wilderness uh, by Satan for those 40 days after those 40 days of fasting what does it say he began to speak it is written it is written it is written you will not tempt the Lord thy God it is written man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God it is written and folks unless you're in the word of God you will not know the word of God and you will find yourself a sitting duck and a target of the adversary when he comes to, uh, to, to, to bring this assailing upon you but God has given us the authorization 
mission. He has sanctioned us to use deadly force against the adversary. But folks, unless you know the weapon of your warfare, which the Word says is not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, unless you move past the carnality of selfishness and of, 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 of self-righteousness and of, of, of this doctrine of, of just doing good, nice things, folks, unless you move past that, you will never see the power of God moving and motivated in your life. Now, I'm talking about preaching the gospel. What about personally for you? What about the, the allowing the Word of God come out of your mouth rather than other things coming out of your mouth? We talk a lot here about just the, the words, ordering our conversation right so we can see the salvation of God. And we talked about that. What about when you're allowing all other types of conversation? How about you that are a big gossip today? You know, I'm talking to somebody that you've always got something to say about somebody. You've always got an opinion about someone and your opinion. You're, you always know what somebody else is doing wrong. Have you searched your own heart today through the Word of God? Have you ordered your conversation right? What about you arm, armchair uh, 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 naysayers that, that always can point out the discrepancies in someone else's walk, but you're not honestly doing it? If you get called out through the Word of God, you would rather apply it to somebody else. Folks, I want this Word applied to me before I apply it to someone else. And so what about that Word? Hiding the Word in your heart that you won't sin against Him. God has given us an arsenal to use against our flesh. Do you hear me? To use against the, the, the discrepancies in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That way when we begin to speak, we can speak with authority. We can speak with boldness. We can speak words that are sanctified, that are pure, that are holy. Otherwise, folks, you're just blowing a bunch of hot air. Do you hear me? And so you've got to come back to that place where you're ordering your conversation aright that you might see the salvation of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2-4. through 4. 2 Timothy 4, 2-4 says this. It says, Preach the Word. Do you hear me? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure the word of God. But after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears away from the truth. The truth of what? The truth of the word of God. And they will be turned unto fables. Folks, to preach the word, you've got to first know the word. Do you hear me? You will never be able to preach the Word unless you know the Word. You will never know the Word unless you get into the Word. But sadly, most professing Christians simply do not know the Word of God. And so as a result, they're not living the Word of God, which results in the name of God literally being blasphemed among the heathen because of this bogus testimony of counterfeit Christians. And I tell you what, Satan loves counterfeit Christians. There is nothing that he would rather have than a bunch of people to spend Sunday morning in some church house, sitting there, getting their praise on, listening to the choir in front of a Hammond B3 organ and singing a few songs and saying some nice things and and never doing anything with it. That's what Satan loves. He loves counterfeit Christians. Folks, listen. He loves to send out these spiritual body doubles. That's what he does. They, they try to double as the body to pose as genuine believers because when He sends them out and they don't have the testimony of Christ and the Word hidden in their life and they're preaching the Gospel, what it does, it dilutes the testimony of Christianity. Now, folks, I want you to think about it. The easiest way to ruin someone else's reputation or their testimony is to pose as them and to act in a way that would cause disparaging things to be said about them. And so when I say, okay, I'm a Christian, I represent Christ, but I go and I do not conduct myself Christ-like, what do I do? I cause disparaging things to be said against him. I'll give you an example. That young man, Brian, that I mentioned, that I pulled over to Michael and I said, well, what about Brian? I see Michael uh, later on, right before I get ready to leave the streets that night, about 2.30 in the morning, and he's standing with a, a group of people. 
And there was a young man, a tall young man, standing there next to him that had a, a cross necklace. And I began to call him out on his Christianity. He said, well, I'm a Christian. I'm doing all these things. And he was out there acting worse than all of them. And he began to point at this Brian, not knowing that I'd talked to Brian earlier. He said, well, you need to talk to him. He's the one not living for God. And I said, listen. And he said, so you, you, he said, you need to judge him. Don't judge me. I'm a Christian. And so I just took him to the Word of God that, that obviously he didn't know. And, and I took him right here. And I'll just read that to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I said, I want you to read this. I said, Paul the Apostle told the church at Corinth. He said, so what business do I have judging those things that are outside the church? He said, it's my responsibility to judge those things that are within the church. He says, those that are outside the church, he said, God judges. He says, therefore, put among you from, away from yourself that wicked person. <coughs> Folks, listen, we are called to judge in righteous judgment. Do you hear me? The world has already been judged. The Word of God says in John 3 that this is the condemnation, the judgment, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But folks, listen, once we come in and we call ourselves Christian, what we've done is we've, we've, we've sanctioned judgment to come upon our lives. You hear me? And so once somebody says that they're a Christian, the judgment has already come upon them. It's the standard of the Word of God. So I can, you, you are authorized, you are sanctioned to call them out in their sin. Why? Because they've come underneath the standard. Those that are outside, God's going to judge that mess. But the things that are within the church, God has called us to judge righteously according to the works. And so he began to talk, he began to say something, this, this tall young man did. And I, and I began to call him out. I said, listen, I said, there's a reason that Brian is probably going to hell tonight. And I said, because you've claimed to be a Christian, you've claimed to be his friend, and you have not demonstrated the character of Christ Jesus. He thought to himself, why would I ever want to be a Christian if I'm just going to be like that? Why would I want to just waste my time going to church if I'm going to do the exact same things on a Saturday night? And I said, buddy, I said, this, this, this act is played out. I said, you ain't nothing but bogus. You are a spiritual bootlegger. You are a counterfeit. And I said, you ain't legit. And he tried to be funny and all this stuff. And I said, you don't see anybody laughing here. I said, even your friends see how, how ignorant you are. Even your friends who you thought were you're, you're making funny. I said, they see how silly you are. I said, this isn't funny. I said, you're not 12 years old. I said, you are 20-something years old out acting like this. I said, you are causing heathens to blaspheme the name of God. I said, but the, the, the fact of the matter is you are lost and headed to, cry, headed to hell because you do not know Christ. You are a counterfeit Christian. You are walking in carnality and you need to repent. And he tried to say something. I said, I don't have, you don't have anything to say. I said, it is played out. I am finished. You need to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, they are out there because people have done this. They've committed this spiritual identity theft and it's a fraudulent version of Christianity. But the problem is they're able to go in and sit in sanctuaries. They're able to go sit in places and they do not know the truth. They do not know righteousness because the Word of God is not being preached to them. Folks, listen. The power to shatter the darkness is in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is going to keep you walking in holiness? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What's going to keep you in pursuit, in the relentless pursuit of righteousness? The, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's going to keep your worship pure? What's going to keep your motivation pure? What's going to keep your conversation pure? What's going to keep your thought life pure? A knowledge of the Word of God, hiding it in your heart, knowing the Word of truth, speaking the Word Word of righteousness. That what? It's going to sanction you and empower you to go preach that word to other people in truth and authority that's going to set at liberty those that are in captivity. Now we're going to go on. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 10. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed your report? Paul the apostle said, listen, you're going to go preach the gospel. 
He said, you preach it, how will they know? But he, he tells us something in verse 16. He said, listen, but I want you to know something. They're not all going to obey. But he says that, and I believe that the reason Paul said that, he's saying that to say, listen, just because they don't respond does not nullify your requirement to go preach. I know a lot, a lot of people that are afraid to go preach because they're afraid of rejection. They don't want to be rejected, so they're like, why, go, why bother? Because you know what? Because, folks, listen, their response to the gospel is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to preach the gospel and to give people an opportunity to hear. Now, what they do once you share the word with them, it's up to them. It's in the dealing of the Holy Spirit. But our obligation is to preach the word. He says, but not all are going to obey the gospel. Even Isaiah said it. Who's going to believe the report of the Lord? We know that the Jews didn't, just a very fraction. It says in Romans 9.27 that just a remnant of them was going to be saved. But he says you've got to be, uh, you're obligated to preach the word. Now that brings up a great point because I hear a scripture used all the time. And we, we talked about it here off the air a time or two. But it's, it's a scripture that and I think a point that needs to be made. And it's out of Isaiah 55.11. Now, you probably don't, that probably doesn't just jump out at you when I say Isaiah 55, 11. But as soon as I read that scripture, immediately you're going to know what it is. And it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, and it will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I send it. I don't know how many times I've heard sincere believers say, You know what? God's word will not return void. God's word will not return void. But what does that really mean? You know, Paul quoting from Isaiah right here, quoting from uh, uh, from the prophet Isaiah. Then here we go, uh, talking about the word of God. And he says, so my word goes from my mouth and it will not return void, but it will accomplish what I please. You know, I know a lot of people think, well, listen, I preach the word. It's not going to return void. They're going to get saved. No, that's not what the word says. Because we know that hell is ever enlarging itself. Isaiah says that. I believe it's the 42nd uh, chapter that says hell is ever enlarging itself. And so is everyone that the word's preached to going to get saved? Absolutely not. And so what is it sent to? He says, my word will not return void. What the word is sent to do is to bring people to a decision. It will. That's what he pleases it to do. He has sent it out to be that choose you this day whom you will serve Word. He sent that word out to be that whosoever will come, let them come. It's that word that was sent out. It says, who will ever call upon the name of the Lord? It says that whosoever will believe in my name. The word was sent forth. The purpose of the word is to send forth to give people a way out of death, hell, and destruction. Do you hear me? And it will not. When the word is preached, listen, people are brought to a decision. That's why a young man like this Michael says, listen, now I'm obligated. I can't do it anymore. Why? Because the word was sent to bring him to a place of decision, a revelation and a realization that he was walking in darkness. So he could have made a choice that day. He could have got up from that word and walked away and said, listen, at my church, the word of truth, they've never told me I've got to do this, so I'm going to go back. He did, but the word of God was sent and it will not return void. It will bring people to a decision. Some of the decisions are going to be good. Some of the decisions are going to be bad. And so, folks, when we go out and preach the gospel, you know what we have the ability to do? It'd be like somebody being on the, the, the back of a wild horse. And the horse is running out of control. And so when we have the Word of God and we begin to go preach the Word of truth, it's like us reaching over and grabbing the reins and pulling back on that horse and stopping it in its tracks. That's what the Word of God does when it's preached. And suddenly that horse comes to a halt. Now the person on that horse has the opportunity to do one of two things. They can either get off that wild horse or they can slap our hands from the reins and kick that thing in the flanks and go on. But His Word did not return void. It stopped the horse. But folks, how will they know? 
unless we preach. How can they hear on whom they have not believed? How can they hear without a preacher? How can we go unless we're sent? The obligation that we have is to preach the Word, to pull back, literally, upon the reins of that, that wild horse that's running out of control and give them the opportunity to receive Christ Jesus or to reject Him. That's what it means when it says that the Word of God will not return void, but it will accomplish. And not everyone, it says, will believe. Not everyone's going to receive that Word, just as Isaiah spoke in verse 16. So Romans 10, 16, that's what he's saying. He said, listen, not everyone that's going to hear it is going to receive it. But that doesn't nullify your responsibility to share the Gospel with people. Not everyone that you witness to is going to say, well, thank you so much. That's so enlightening to me. Not everyone's going to do it. But it doesn't nullify. Folks, you know how many people I've led to the Lord Jesus Christ in the last 20 years? Tens of thousands probably. But you know how many have rejected it? A hundred times that many. But it did not nullify me from preaching the gospel. Because I know that it may not be the first ten that come to Christ, that it, but it may be that next one. And it may not be the next one, but it may be the next ten. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, well listen, I'm not gonna do it because these ten, because there may be a hundred waiting on me that wanna hear the word. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so I'm not gonna let one naysayer that says, I don't like what you're doing, I don't like your approach, gonna rob ten thousand other people from hearing the word of God preached into their life. Folks, listen, we are obligated to preach the word, even though they may not hear it. And so Romans 10-17 says this. It says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? A bottle of water? A church picnic? A family life center? An Easter cantata? No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. A number of years ago, I was in my office and I was pastoring in Texas. And I had a guy come in and uh, he was just needing some help. He was needing some benevolent help and some groceries or something else. I can't remember exactly what it was. And so I sat him down in my office and I just began to talk to him. I, was gonna, I sent somebody to go and fix him some stuff. And while they were gone, I just began to talk to him. And ask him about his relationship with the Lord. And he said, yeah, I've got, just, I've got a lot of faith. He said, I do. I just believe God. I've got a lot of faith. And you know what? I, I really love the Lord. I love the man upstairs. I don't think he ever used the name Jesus. He said, I, I love God. And I said, so you got a lot of faith then. And, and, and I, so I asked him the question. I said, so where would you get this faith? And he said, well, I got it from Mama. That's what he told me. I said, where would you get your faith? He said, I got it from Mama. I said, you got it from Mama? He said, yeah, my mama had a lot of faith, and so I got my faith from her. And so I took him to this passage right here in Romans 10, 17. I said, well, the word, doesn't, the word doesn't say, so faith comes by mama. I said, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I said, do you ever read the, the Bible? He says, well, not really. I said, so then you don't have any faith. I said, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by mama. I said, Mama faith will only get you one place. And he said, where's that? I said, it'll get you to hell. I said, it's got to come from an understanding and a, 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 a desire after the Word of God. Then I took him to Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith it's impossible to please Jesus. For he that cometh to God must believe that Jesus is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's where... Faith comes in. It's impossible without faith to please the Lord Jesus. We can't come to God apart from faith. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know from the, the, the book of Ephesians that we're saved by grace through faith. And not of works, lest any man should boast, that, that, we're, uh, that it's a free gift, that, that we're His workmanship created then unto good works. But folks, listen, they will never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They will never come to salvation apart from hearing the Word. Why? Because when we, we put the Word of God in their life, what does it do? It deposits, deposits 
faith in them. That way when grace, the Spirit of God, that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life, when it comes upon them, it's able to light upon faith. It's able to stir faith up. It's able to stir that, that Word up in their life. But folks, have you ever preached the Gospel to someone that's never heard the Word? It's like a blank stare. They've never heard it. And so that's why you'll never hear me say when somebody's walking by me blindly on the street, you'll never say, hey, hey, sister, hey, brother, hey, friend, Jesus loves you. Why? Because I know that's foolishness to them. You'll never hear me say that. Why? Because I, I, I know what it does. Oh, Jesus loves me? That means that I can go on. I was just go fixing to have sex with my boyfriend. Jesus loves me. He must be approving of what I'm doing. You, hear, you see the damage in that? Or, or, or you want, Jesus loves you. Well, praise God, I'm drunk and Jesus loves me. That mean, must mean he, I've got His seal of approval. Folks, listen, it, when we approach things like that, what are we doing? It lands on something that there's no faith. Now, if I go to that person and I say, listen, God does love you, but He loves you enough for me to tell you the truth that no fornicator is going to enter the kingdom of God, that no adulterer, that no drunkard, that He said in times past, He'll say again, according to Galatians chapter 5, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But God loves you enough to send His Son, Jesus. So folks, what have I done? I've given the element of faith into the situation without just some random statement thinking I'm doing somebody a good time. Well, that person said that God loved me. I guess that there's no need for me to get saved because God loves me and God wouldn't send anybody he loved to hell. Folks, listen, we've got to preach the Word of God in its entirety. Like I said a few days ago, you know, people want to give people the Roman road to salvation. Say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead. We want to preach that one verse without giving the nine and a half chapters prior to that that says really what it means to believe in God. That there's got to be a repentance from dead works. There's got to be a turning away of sin. And then, if we confess with our mouth, and if I, I, I yield ownership of my life over to Him, then I'm going to be saved. Why? Because with a confession is made from the mouth and the heart is, that's repentant and it believes in God, then there's an understanding. But folks, how will they know unless we preach? Who's going to believe? Those that receive the Word that falls on good soil. Folks, we've got to be adamant about preaching the Word of God with truth because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But we know, according to Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Scripture tells us that when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on the earth? Not good intentions, not church membership. Do you hear me? Not the right t-shirt, but will he find faith on the earth? And folks, listen. The, the, the agent that God has used to put faith in people's lives is this word right here. That's why we're so adamant about discipling people and equipping folks for the work of the ministry. That they can take that word, hide it in their heart. That they'll have the ability for any time sin or temptation comes at them, it's going to run aground on faith in their life. Folks, listen, we're totally out of time today. We're going to jump into verse 18 tomorrow. We may talk a little bit about what faith is and what faith isn't to open the, the program tomorrow. But uh, listen, be praying for us this whole week here. If you're listening to us live, we're going to be preaching the gospel out there city. We've got bike week, and I know some other folks in the ministry are doing things uh, all around. And so be praying for us that God will just uh, utilize the team to get out there and preach the, the, the message of the cross uh, of, of Calvary. We're doing some things. Also pray for us. We're On the 16th, we're, we're uh, we're going to start a, a kind of a corporate service here on Sundays, uh, uh, utilizing the facility to YMCA. This is letting us use the facility on a Sunday morning, begin to bring people in and to, to teach them and to equip them for the work of the ministry. So be praying for us. It's a huge undertaking. And we believe that's kind of the, the, the groundwork for the Raven International Training Center, where we'll be able to bring people in from all over the world and train them to preach the Word of God and, uh, and to go out into their cities and change nations as well. So be praying for us. That's going to be kicking off the 16th, which... Uh, 
uh, be uh, Palm Sunday and going to continue every Sunday after that. We'll probably be broadcasting uh, those services uh, live, the, the Holy Worship Service. So be praying for us in that. And folks, I've got one bit of advice for you today as we go. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you.